Hello, ako si Jadez Gavilan. Kayo ay nakikinig sa bagong Rappler Podcast episode kung saan hihimayin natin ng mga maiinit at mahalagang isyu sa Pilipinas. Ito ang Rappler's News Break, Beyond the Stories. Sa episode na to, pag-uusapan natin ang implementing rules and regulations ng anti-terror law. Ang batas na ito ay kinatatakutang magpapalala sa sitwasyon ng mga aktivista o sino mang magsasalita laban sa gobyerno. Ano ang mga importanteng laman ng IRR? Ano ang hindi malinaw o mga delikadong provisions na dapat tutukan? Kasama ko ngayon si Lian Buwan, ang Justice Reporter na Rappler, para himayin ng IRR ng anti-terror law. Hi Lian, thank you for joining me today. You're welcome to this anytime. So for my first question, I wanted to ask, what can you say about the IRR? Nung nabasa mo siya ng buo na, did it make you feel less worried about the anti-terror law? I'm gonna borrow the line of lawyers, which is that the water cannot rise above the source, which is to say that if yung law ay problematic, as seen by the 37 petitions against it, nothing in the IRR will make anyone less worried. It will not temper criticisms. Because uh, what the IRR will do is just really to operationalize the law. And so if the law is problematic, parang wala namang magagawa ang isang IRR para gawin itong less problematic. And I guess you're gonna ask me later, there were uh, new additions to the IRR which can be seen as a positive thing. And then there were also new additions to the IRR which were seen as a negative thing. And maybe we'll expound on that later. So before we go dun sa details ng IRR, uh, you mentioned nga, di ba, na importante pa rin yung fruit ng yung law. Uh, can you, like, give us a short description, siguro, of the anti-terror law? And ano yung main kitisip sa kanya ng mga human rights groups, mga lawyers groups? Wow, uh, I don't know how to <laughs> squeeze that in one sentence. Okay, first of all, uh, section 4 of the law the definitions are really vague. Uh, to just refresh the, your listeners to this, yung old Human Security Act, even though it was also equally contentious, meron kasi siyang tinatawag na predicate crime. So, for you to be prosecuted under the anti-terror law, dapat may masatisfy kang predicate crime like murder, robbery, kidnapping, sedition, ganyan. And then, it will be terrorism if it creates widespread fear and... Uh, um, yun, it, if it creates widespread fear. Dito sa anti-terror law, walang predicate crime. So you will be prosecuted under the anti-terror law if you engage in the following act. For example, di ko na iisa-isahin, pero acts intended to cause death or serious bodily injury to a person. Acts intended to cause extensive damage to, a pro- to government property. Acts intended to cause extensive interference to critical infrastructure. And dapat the purposes of those acts are intimidate the general public, create an atmosphere of fear, provoke the government, seriously destabilize the fundamental political, economic, and social structures of the country. So, pag marinig mo pa lang, parang, wow, that can apply to a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And that's why people are saying it will target dissent, it will target activism, not just activism, any form, any form of dissent. And the anti-terror law has a feature of designation in which the anti-terror council, an executive body in secret deliberations, will be able to designate a, a person or a group as a terrorist and freeze their assets without going through the court. Mm-hmm. And then yung section 29, this contentious section 29, 
you can be arrested without a warrant if you are suspected of committing acts of terrorism and you can be detained for as long as 24 days you can be put under house arrest kahit nanalo ka na ng motion for bail sa korte and then meron siyang mga dinagdag na bagong crime like inciting to terrorism so it's like inciting to sedition that really flies in the face of freedom of speech and kaya rin na alarm yung ibang petitioners kasi parang it will not only target dissent that will be linked directly to the alleged act of terror but yung magsalita ka lang tapos sabihin lang nila na you incited to an act of terror mapaprosecute ka na so uh, that that is in a probably oversimplified manner the contentious anti-terror law so i wanted to focus So first, first two na you mentioned eh, particularly how it is uh, fleshed out sa IRR. Siguro una tayo sa first na you mentioned about dun sa terrorist definition. Mas naging clear ba yung IRR sa pag-designate ng terrorist? Ano yung mga related provisions ng IRR na nag-fall under this, itong part na pag-designate ng terrorist? Okay, um, before I answer that, designation is found under... Section 25, and it is a distinct power of the council, separate siya sa court process of prescription. The IRR actually has new two features to designation. Number one, the IRR says it will now publish the names of people it will designate on newspapers of general circulation and on the websites of the council and official gazette. Wala yan sa batas. Kaya nirereklamo ng mga progressive groups and human rights advocates na parang, oh, grabe naman sukdulang red tagging na to, sukdulang profiling. Kasi hindi na to nakatago sa court records na even oh. though public, parang hindi naman siya readily available to people. Hindi na rin to poster, kumbaga, na nakalagay sa mga lamppost, ganun. It's on the internet. Human rights groups slammed this as, you know, mother of red tagging, kumbaga. And by adding the feature of publication, nag-add din yung IRR ng bagong feature, which is the listing. So, wala rin sa batas to. So now, if you are notified that you are designated as a terrorist, you can file an appeal for you to delist yourself using the grounds provided for in the IRR, which are mistaken identity, if new evidence has come out in the light, your circumstances have changed, and so on and so forth. So, para siya, ano, ang naalala ko sa delisting na yan, yung uh, infamous na drug list na Duterte, di ba? Yes. Na parang, yes. malamang mo na lang na nakalista ka na pala, even before na, mm-hmm. uh, sabihin na, na parang walang way for you to, to parang i-verify nila kung talaga bang drug user ka, kung drug addict ka or whatever. So you're saying na, kunyari, sana knock on wood na if masama yung pangalan ko, madesignate ako as a terrorist, malaman ko lang, at least pag na-publish na siya sa newspaper, sa gazette, sa website ng DOJ, tama ba? Nakausap ko si... Justice Undersecretary Adrian Sugay, the spokesperson of the Council on All Things IRR, sabi niya, manonotify yung mga designate and yun nga, mapapublish ka naman on the internet. And yun, and then you can file uh, a request for you to be delisted from that designation. Hindi ba loss sa kanila na delikado nga yung ginagawa nila na parang we know naman yung process ngayon na ito nga mga namatay ng mga activists, di ba, na nalagay lang yung pangalan sa poster, na tag lang sila online, pero they face threats, napatay sila. So, parang, 
ano sinabi nila doon kung sa danger na dala nitong paglalabas online sa mga dyaryo na may national circulation, I assume, hindi ba nila naisip na dangerous ito? Um, under Secretary Sugay, which is, um, I would like to think na siya yung more of the sober ones in the council. I mean, I would like to think that the DOJ is one of the more sober members of the council. He acknowledges naman um, the risk, especially that the NTFL CAC has red-tagged ferociously prog- progressive groups and it's not lost on them that it was the DOJ who had the prescription case against the likes of Randall Lechanis and Zara Alvarez and Randy Malaya who were all killed. So it's not lost on them. But when you ask them about that, um, Yusek Sugay t- told me parang we've learned our lesson. And sabi niya, he would like to think that the council will be more prudent and will be more deliberative, will be more careful moving forward. And parang pinupoint out ko pa rin na, Yusek, what's gonna change? Kasi... I mean, NSA Esperon is the vice chair of the council. He's also the vice chair of NTFLCAC. I mean, it's not a secret that the military is really out the red tag. I mean, General Parlade is on Twitter red tagging a lot of people. Parang sabi na lang sa akin ni Yusek Sugay, the council is made up of a lot of cabinet secretaries and they're gonna act as a collegial body, sabi niya. So parang hindi naman siya decision lang ng isang tao or decision lang ng isang sector. Sabi niya, the DOJ will be there to quote him to be in the middle of all of it, to be the voice of reason, siguro, yung gusto niyang sabihin. Katulad ganang ng sinabi ko kanina, you're just gonna have to trust. <laughs> parang it's really all in good faith. And I know how difficult it is to listen to that and to hear that and to trust that. Kaya the petitioners are really, you know, determined to get this struck out or to get this stopped by a TRO. So parang nothing that the DOJ will say or the council will say at this point will really, you know, comfort them. So para sa kanila, tuloy natin yung laban sa korte. Pero kabang naisip na, do you mean they could have, like, approach this? Pwede bang, like, court lalang, idalanan sa korte? And I don't know, like, any way or method aside from publishing out in the open? I asked Yusek that na parang bakit nyo inad yung feature ng publication tapos nag-add din kayo ng feature ng delisting. So parang ano yun, bargaining method nyo na parang okay, lagyan natin ng delisting pero lagyan din natin ng publication. Parang ganon. I didn't really get a direct answer except that he said na delisting was really a matter of fairness. Siguro, parang ganon. Then that really didn't answer that really didn't answer oh. my question. So Parang ano na lang eh, parang iisip mo na lang ano ba yung dynamic sa council, sino ba yung nagpadagdag nito. Oh. Pero na, I didn't really answer that for oh. me. Meron bang like, what if, okay nga, nadalis ka, meron bang parang accountability method? Like, kunyari, di ba minsan pag na-wrongly convict ka, merong, may mangyayari, yeah. di ba? May ganun bang feature dito sa delisting ng anti-terror law? Wal, walang nakalagay sa IRR kung ano ang liability ng council kapag na-delist ka. Wala. Pero ina-acknowledge ni Yusek Sugay na kapag, ang word niya, if designations are improvidently done, the council daw is aware that this is gonna open the cabinet secretaries to a lot of legal problems. Madademanda sila. It's not really clear in the IRR. It's not provided for in the IRR kung ano yung liability nila. But, you know, syempre, um, creativity na lang yan ng mga madadalis. Pero yun nga, sabi ko nga kay Yusek, para that's not really a comforting thought yung magahabul ka after kasi ikaw na yung nahasil eh. Oo. Tapos ikaw pa yung magdademanda. 
in fairness, he, he acknowledges that. But then again, parang babalik at babalik tayo sa, yeah, well, this is the process, nandito na yung batas. So, let's just avail of all the remedies that we can. Parang ganun eh. Parang of all the things na makalimutan mo, no, yung liability pa. Like, for example, I remember yung anti-desaplo. Meron liability na nilalagay doon, di ba, sa mga pag hindi nakapag-report yung state agent sa ganito, ganyan. So, dito sa anti-terlo, wala silang yung parang, walang, walang paglalagyan yung pagmali ang, nala, ang na-designated ng terrorist, terrorista pala. Specifically din sa designation, walang explicit na liability under the designation. Dun sa law, mar- may mga ano, ito yung binibida nilang mga safeguard. Like for example, Section 43, a punishment of six-year imprisonment will be imposed upon the person who furnishes false evidence for just document, ganon. Yung tapos may penalty for unauthorized revelation of classified materials, ganyan. May mga, may mga ganun. Pero sa designation, specifically, wala. Nawala na rin yung umbrella penalty na sa Human Security Act kasi kapag na-acquit yung inakusahan mong terorista, the government has to pay him or her damages amounting to 500,000 per day na nasize yung assets niya. Parang ganun. And tinanggal na to sa sa anti-terror law. So, wala nang ganong penalty. And we were told na ito naman daw talaga yung malaking dahilan kung bakit hindi nagpo-prosecute under Human Security Act yung gobyerno before. Okay. And my next question, Ian, can you tell me about itong phrase na reasonable ground of suspicion? You had the story on this, eh. Uh-huh. So, what is it about? Ano yung parang importance niya dun sa IRR? Okay, the words reasonable ground, the IRR says that the Anti-Terror Council will designate a person or a group of terrorists if it finds probable cause. Probable cause meaning you find a reasonable ground of suspicion supported by circumstances warranting a cautious person to believe that the proposed designee meets the requirements for designation. It's a mouthful. Oh. And it was not found in the law. Nasa IRR lang siya. The human rights lawyers say, you cannot add that standard in the IRR. It's not found in the law. So, doon na naman magkakaano. Doon na naman magbabanggaan yung the water can rise above the source ka dyan. Sabi ni Yusek Sugay, um, hindi naman daw bago yung reasonable suspicion because um, he cited a Supreme Court case from 2015 na ganun na ganun yung term. Ganun na ganun yung definition ng probable cause sa Supreme Court decision na yun. But that decision is about warrantless search eh. Hindi siya about designation or whatever. Pero sabi ni Yusek Sugay, sa IRR daw ng Terrorism Financing Suppression Act, probable cause is also defined as a reasonable ground of suspicion. So, they have uh, they have an IRR, they have a Supreme Court case to back them up. But it just gives petitioners and critics more reason to worry na how are you going to define reasonable ground of suspicion? Mm-hmm. Parang ganun. Siguro, Judas, ano eh, siguro it's, it's important to note that this word probable cause really has two application of meanings. Pag prosecutor yan, ang probable cause means that you find probable cause to find a case in court. That's their only power of probable cause. The, pagdating sa judge, ang, ang meaning ng probable cause ay I find probable cause to get to have you arrested. Mm-hmm. Yung ganon. So, yun yung contention kasi sa ating well-entrenched legal system, the prosecutors find probable cause to charge you in court 
the judge finds probable cause to have you arrested. Why is an executive body made up of cabinet secretaries have the power to determine probable cause to publish your name as a terrorist? Mm. Uh-oh. I mean, that's the contentious, ano, and siguro I'm jumping the gun here, pati yung finding probable cause to to authorize and writing law enforcement agencies to arrest you without a warrant and detain you for 24 days. Why does the council suddenly have the power to find probable cause in, you know, in taking away your liberty for 24 days and maybe for a long period of time kapag in-inquest ka na at pinakulong ka na talaga indefinitely. So, dun, dun yung contention na parang bakit biglang may probable cause power ang isang Oo. executive council. Parang ang powerful nga ng executive council na to. Yes, very powerful. And can you remind me, sino yung mga members ng uh, magiging council na to? Anong mga agencies yung involved? Right. So, that is a Human Security Act. The Justice Secretary was the vice chair. Ngayon, relegated to just being a member Yung, to just being a member yung Justice Secretary. So it will be headed by the Executive Secretary, who's Executive Secretary Salvador Med- Medaldea. Ang Vice Chair na ngayon, hindi na Justice Secretary, kundi si NSA, the National Security oh. Advisor. Okay. NSA Hermogenes Esperon as the Vice Chair. And then yung members ay yung mga Cabinet Secretary. So Secretary of Foreign Affairs, Defense Secretary, Interior Secretary, Finance Secretary, Justice Secretary, DICT Secretary, and the Executive Director of Anti-Money Laundering Council. So, the Interior Secretary is Military General. It's General Anyo who once floated to restore the anti-subversion law. Mm-hmm. So, yun yung personalities na tinitignan natin dito. If you compare it to the, the Human Security Act Council, bakit na naging member na lang yung DOA? Considering na malaki yung parte niya sa process. Actually, may mga human rights groups nga na ayaw sanang ilagay dyan yung DOJ at all. Kasi it's such a precarious role for the DOJ to be in. Kasi imagine, the Justice Secretary sits as a member of the council na siyang magsasanction ng lahat ng gagawin under the terrorism law. Tapos, yung mga prosecutors ang mag-iimbestiga and mag-find ng probable cause to charge oh. them. And the prosecutors are under the DOJ. So parang, it's not a conflict of interest. Parang may nag-point out nga na kung ako yung piskal at nakarating sa akin yung kaso ng council, magagawa ko bang i-dismiss yan knowing that my boss sits in the council who sanctioned this case? Diba parang hirap? And I asked you Seksugay that. He said na, well, tama rin naman siya. Sabi niya, you know, parang the DOJ naman daw talaga wears many hats. He made an example of sub-agency nga rin daw nila yung public attorney's office and Pau is really concerned with the welfare of the accused. Mm-mm. Tapos sila, sila yung humaharap, sila yung nakikipag-head-on-head head collision with the prosecutor. So, But that's not really considered a conflict of interest kasi it's all towards administration of justice, ganun. And Yusek Sugay was saying na parang short of advocating na alam nyo, okay na nandyan kami because yun nga, sinasabi niya na they're gonna be the voice of reason. Mm, okay. That's his pitch. That's that's the DOJ's pitch to the public that the DOJ is going to be their advocate in the council. So I asked him na parang, pero ano ba yan? Botohan ba yan? Or ano? Kasi kung botohan, isa lang ang boto naman ni Justice Secretary John. Pero he said na, you know, the council naman daw will be, will take into consideration everything, ganyan, and that the the member the council members are aware na kapag may ginawa silang mali, eh, 
sila din yung malilintikan. That's his this is a way of trying to ano to to, to rationalize I guess yung dynamics ng anti-terror council. Next kung tanong, yung sa pag-arresto without a warrant kasi ito rin yung mga pinipoint ng mga groups na ayaw nila. Mm-hmm. May mga bago mang sinabi yung IRR regarding dito? Yes. So, the IRR added a new condition kasi dati, ang nakalagay lang sa law, kapag nag-arresto ka without a warrant, you the the ATC will authorize in writing that you get to detain that person for 24 days. Mm-hmm. So, the IRR added a condition na dapat magsasubmit ng affidavit yung police or yung agent sa ATC at sabihin, okay, ano, I will detain this person for 24 days. And dun siya i-authorize. So, pero, tapos sabi ng IRR, pag walang written authorization, ibig sabihin, pag di ka nagsabit ng affidavit, wala kang written authorization, therefore, mag apply yung the usual rule on warrantless arrest, which is, depending on the offense, dapat pakawalan mo yan within 12 hours, 18 hours, or 36 hours. Pero sabi rin ng IRR, kunyari, let's assume it's the 36 hours that apply. Uh-huh. Sabi ng IRR, pero bago maglapse ng 36 hours at nakapag-submit ka sa amin ng affidavit at nabigyan ka namin ng authorization, revert ulit sa anti-terror law rules, which is you get to keep him for 24 days. So, I asked you, Seksugay, what's stopping the agents and the council from just, you know, diba, yung parang, oh, sige na, dali na, mag-file ka na ng affidavit para bigyan ka na ng authorization. Yung ganun. Uh-oh. I mean, what's stopping them from belatedly filing affidavits? Again, ang sagot lang naman sa atin ay, they hope that the law enforcement agents will exercise this power properly and the council will, you know, be forthright with its with its powers. Tapos meron pang new addition dito na, kasi sa HSA, sa Human Security Act, kapag once na inaresto mo yung, yung tao, you have to bring him, as in in person, you present him to the judge. Dito, all the law enforcement agents need to do is to send a written notification to the nearest judge immediately. Sa IRR, dinify nila yung word na immediately. Ginawan lang 48 hours. So I asked, bakit para ang tagal? Uh-huh. Why two days? Tapos sabi sa akin, eh kasi daw sa remote areas na um, may mga remote areas na kailangan mo daw tumawid ng dagat or tumawid ng isla para lang makapunta sa nearest court. So they took that into consideration. And one more thing, Judas, I mean, indulge me on this. I think uh, it's important to point out. Sa IRR, nilagay nila na the basis for arresting without a warrant are A, if the person is caught in the act, B, if the agent has probable cause to believe that the person has just committed the crime, and C, if it's a felon, um, you know, that has just broken out of jail. These three grounds, Jadez, are already existing. They are found in the rules of court. Kaya nga tayo may warrantless arrest naman talaga. So, ang tanong ng mga human rights lawyers, why put this in the IRR when it's already existing in the rules of court? So, parang sinasabi nila na, eh, it's just a way to prettify your problematic law. Para lang masabi na, oh, we're compliant to the rules of court. Ilalagay natin. Pero bakit nyo ilalagay kung nandyan naman na yan? Okay. Ano yung take ng mga human rights groups dito sa mga provisions na related sa warrantless arrest? Yun nga, sinasabi nila na kasi... Ito yung binibida ngayon ng council tsaka ng mga sponsors, uh, the the legislators who supported this na parang, oh, nalagay na namin ha, na eh, ang grounds for warrantless arrest ay still under the rules of court. Um, the humorous story would say, 
those rules are already existing. Why why put it in the IRR? And such, parang they want to hammer the point that the problem is that your definitions are vague. Yeah. So okay, you you put the rule, you put the rules of rules of court, rules on warrantless arrest. Pero ang 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 standard nun ay ano ba yung crime na mahuhuli ka doing what are what are the crime that you're gonna be caught in the act of doing? What is the crime that you're gonna be believed to be doing? It babalik dun sa problematic definitions of Section Four na acts intended to cause serious bodily injury to a person seriously destabilizes the political structure of the government. Ganon. So, parang dun bumabalik yung contention is that Section 4, sabi nga ni NUPL President Edro Araya, it will rise and fall on Section 4, mm-hmm. which the IRR did not elaborate. As in, nakabulat, binulat points lang nila yung Section 4. Hindi nila dinagdagan, hindi nila inano, nakabulat points lang. Mayroon pa bang mga importante yung parte ng IRR na dapat malaman ng mga tao? Um, I guess yung inciting to terrorism. Yeah. Um, isa siya sa pinaka-inelaborate ng IRR kasi sa sa law, ma, ano lang siya, maikli lang siyang maikli lang siyang provision. It's section 9. It just says it's just one paragraph. It just says that it's any person who without taking any direct part in the commission of terrorism shall incite others to the execution of any acts specified in section 4 by means of speeches, proclamations, writings, emblems, banners, or other representations. Siguro, the listener should think of this in parallelism with inciting to sedition. And remember that Senator Trillanes has been charged of inciting to sedition for a privileged speech in the Senate. He has been charged of conspiracy to commit sedition for allegedly, you know, parang kinupkop niya si Bicoy dun sa, allegedly, dun sa ang totoong narcolist. A webmaster, si Rodel Jaime, has been charged of inciting to sedition for, you know, um, lending his IT skills para magkaroon ng website yung, yung narcolist video. So, listeners should think in parallelism of that. It's kind of similar, except that instead of sedition, you incite to terrorism, which under the law, sobrang vague nung mga definition niya. So, in-elaborate siya ng IRR and dito na naman, may nakita na naman tayong bagong wordings. Uh-huh. Sabi dito, you are inciting to terrorism kapag napatunayan nila that yung sinabi mo, yung incitement mo, there's a reasonable probability of success that you will have successfully incited to terrorism. So, bagong ano yon reasonable probability of success. How do you measure Reasonable probability of success. Sabi ni Attorney Tedte, it's an undefined standard. Sabi ni Attorney Edre Olalia, it's actually a lower standard than clear and present danger. If you remember Judas, listen to Love the Turtle Land. <laughs> clear and present danger, ito yung generally accepted rule on restricting freedom of speech. Kasi nga naman, hindi nga naman daw absolute ang freedom of speech and the government has the right to restrict your freedom of speech if it can prove that there is a clear and present danger. Classic example siguro ay nag-rally ka sa harap ng Malacanang. Nasa harap ka ng Malacanang at sinabi mong, hagisan natin ng bomba ang Malacanang. Kahit nagsasalta ka lang. That presents a clear and present danger to the government. So they can restrict you from saying that. That is the generally accepted rule and it's a very high bar. Sobrang taas niyang standard kasi nga 
freedom of speech is one of the most protected freedoms in the world and in Philippine laws. Kaya sobrang taas ng bar niya, which is clear and present danger. And according to Attorney Olalia, reasonable probability of success is a lower standard. And uh, when we asked Yusek Sugay that, he said, alam mo, ano y- ano yung parang ano naman daw yan, nakabase siya sa, he, this, there's this thing called the 2012 Rabbit Plan of Action. It originated from the United Nations Office of the High Commissioner on Human Rights. Nakalagay dun na, for you to restrict freedom of speech, you have to have a test. And one of the tests is, the word is likelihood of harm. So parang, inspired by that, ang ginamit ng IRR, reasonable probability of success. Sabi ni Attorney Olalia, bakit mo gagamitin bigla yung rabbit plan of action ng UNHCR eh hindi mo naman yan nilagay sa batas? Kaka-introduce mo sa IRR. Oo. Parang sana nabigyan sila ng measure kung ganyan din, di ba? But that's the thing though about freedom of speech talaga. It's tricky, di ba? Parang mahaba-haba siyang litigation. And that's precisely also why the reason why this is contended. Kasi maaano ka for something that you say you will undergo trial and you oh. will face and you will face prison time so you have to argue pala if kunyari ma mas mas ha under that kailangan mo argue na against the reasonable na mag na yeah. mo <laughs> oh pero pag interesto ka na ng police makakapagano ka pa ba <laughs> there's no masasabi mo po sa police judges na What I said has no reasonable probability of success of inciting to terrorism. Hindi na kayo makakapag ganun. Kulong ano na, naaresto ka na eh. Parang i-imagine ko, hindi ko lang kung gagawin ito. May natanungin sila mga tao, oh, na-incite ka pa to. to exactly, exactly. This, these are the facts na that they're gonna try to prove in court. But by then, naaresto ka na nga, nahasal ka na, and nahasal ka na and everything. So, babalik na naman tayo dun sa sasabihin ng gobyerno sa'yo, eh, meron ka namang remedies, eh. Eh, di, challenge mo sa court, present evidence. Pero, eh, nakasal ka na, eh. Yeah, remedy ka na. Tapos, after mong ilagay yung pangalan mo sa publications, ayun, yun, may tanong ako rin ako nakalimutong tanongin kanina. Pag nadelist ka, meron din bang notification? Gagawin din tulad na this person has been delisted? Yes, yes, then, yes. Okay. Yes. Buti naman. Publish din nila. Kasi you're gonna be delisted through a resolution eh. And all resolutions will be made public. Para siyang ano na yung college na pag ano ka, pag delikado ka sa batch mo na tatanggalin ka, ilalagay yung pangalan mo sa papel. Pag okay ka na, ilalagay. Pero yun nga eh, by then na-publish ka ng terorista ka. Oo. Parang hindi mo naman ma-expect na lahat ng tao ay titignan yung bawat ano, ba diba? Exactly. So, sa mga nakikita ko, ang dami-dami palang kailangan pang i-address sa IRR or kailangan pang labanan ng mga human rights groups. So before we go to my other questions, let's listen to our after podcast overview. Next time, huwag ninyo akong pariginigin ng revolusyon. Naku, Diyos ko. Yan ang mas delikado sa COVID. Eh kung mag-revolusyon kayo, you will give me the free ticket to stage a counter-revolusyon. How I wish you would do it. Don't understand what President Rodrigo Duterte is saying? Want to know the story behind his words? Listen to Seat of Power, Raptor's political podcast about the Duterte presidency. Hosted by me, P. Renada, Raptor's Malacanang beat reporter. 
may a lot of people, but not much a lot, but I know that there are some people who would happily use I'm polyamorous label to basically justify anything, mm-hmm. to justify sleeping around, to justify not committing, but that flies in the face naman of how we see it. It's my choice not to be a mother, but I'm not, it's not dissing on, mothers, dissing yeah. on motherhood, oh, about, on it's parenthood. It's like purely person-to-person basis. Oh, oh. I'm Marguerite Leon, host of Rappler's I've Got an Opinion, where I speak to ordinary people who have a lot to say about extraordinary issues. Listen in every other Wednesday at 8 p.m. on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Hi, welcome back to Newsbreak Beyond the Stories. I am Jodas Gavilan and I'm here with Dian Buwan. We are talking about the implementing rules and regulations ng anti-terror law. Uh, Lian, meron pa bang parte ng anti-terror law or yung IRR ng anti-terror law na, hi- na vague pa rin? Paano ito balak i-address ng government? Maybe not vague. We're probably just problematic. Section 34. Section 34 says that yung mga macha-charge of non-bailable crimes, pero nakapanalo ng motion for bail at nabigyan ng bail grant sa court, pwede pa rin silang either i-restrict yung travel nila within the municipality mm-hmm. or i-house arrest sila, cut off to telephone and internet. So, I asked you, Sugay, na parang you keep saying that there's a judicial remedy to all of this. So here's a person who has been charged with a non-bailable crime, but he availed of his judicial remedy. He filed a motion for bail sa court. And nanalo siya. The judge found that the evidence of guilt is not strong, therefore I'm... Kasi yun yung standard eh, for you to grant a grant bail to a non-bailable crime. Mm-hmm. At nanalo siya na bail grant. Pero under the anti-terror law, i-house arrest mo rin. Di parang kinulong mo pa rin. So that isn't, sabi ko, Yusek, isn't that um, a violation of the constitutional right to bail? And uh, his um, his answer was quite, you know, telling. He, he said na parang, parang he acknowledged na, oo nga eh, pero you know, ito na yung ginawa ng Congress. Okay, I'll, I'll just read verbatim what he told me. He said na, yun ang nakasulat dun sa law in the interest of national security and public safety. So, in the determination of Congress, there's a need for such restrictions and we just had to work with that because that's part of the law. And there was nothing we could do as far as the IIR was concerned. So, we, I guess I leave you with that. So, parang nasa batas eh. Parang there, there's really nothing that the IIR can do to, you know, fix some problematic things. Okay. So, I think From the IRR, I wanted to move on sa buong anti-terror law. Itong lula to, it's facing a lot of petitions before the Supreme Court. Can you tell me about these petitions? Are they questioning the same things or may focus per petition? Ilan na ba sila total lahat? There are a total of 37 petitions covering all, reading all those 37 petitions. Uh, merong, may mga common thread kasi Section 4 mainly... Um, section 29, Section 25, Section 34, yun yung mga, and Section 9, which is inciting to terrorism, yun yung mga common thread sa mga petitions. Some attack it um, from a different point of view. Like, for example, um, the, NUJ, uh, the, the NUJP petition attacks it from the point of view of a journalist. The activist's petition attacks it from an activism point of view, IP group point of view. For example, yung petition... Uh, led by Justice Antonio Carpio, they attacked it from his point of view kasi uh, one of the definitions of terror under Section 4 of the law is that you extensively interfere with critical infrastructure. I mean, what does critical infrastructure mean? 
for one. So, para sa sabi ng petition nila Justice Carpio because he's so passionate about the West Philippine Sea. He may be, you know, ruffling feathers in the diplomatic community mm-hmm. uh, or, or the diplomatic relationship between China and the Philippines. And the government can say that diplomatic machinery is a critical infrastructure of the government and you extensively interfered with that by your lectures and your your words against China and the West Philippine Sea. And so, could he be prosecuted under the terror law? That's what he's fearing. So, that's the kind of fear that even, you know, that even one of the most revered jurists in the Philippines fear being prosecuted under this law. And what is this number of petitions for the Supreme Court? Like, for you, what does it say about the under terror law? Well, it, it really says that it's tricky because... On the one hand, gusto mo siyang tignan from a simplistic point of view, which is that 37, ibig sabihin, ang pangit itong batas na to. Ganun. Pero pag nagtanong ka sa mga judge or mga lawyer, para the validity of a law is really not measured by how many by how many petitions are filed. Kasi pwede ka nga namang mag-file ng kahit ano. Anyone can file a petition against something or anything. But you know, just try to detach it from the legalese of it all and look at the profiles of the petitioners. You have Justice Carpio. You have Justice Conchita Carpio Morales. You have the law professors of UP, FEU, Ateneo. You have constitutional framers. You have senators. You have congressmen. You have journalists. You have priests. You have nuns. You have activists. You have youth leaders. Parang lahat na ng sector oh. nag-file. And I'm hearing parang meron pa daw mga gustong humabal. You have students. So, basically, everybody has filed against a, a petition against this. So, what does that say? Yeah. Ako, you, I, I, oh. I, am in, I am part of the group that will say that it is an, it's an indication of how problematic this law is. And to quote, I think one of the petitioners, he said na, you give the petitioners, the respect that they deserve. Kasi ang dami nila eh, parang across political lines. And I forgot to say, nag-file din ng petition kasama nila Justice Carpio, ang dating, dating sundalo, um, represent, a former Magdalore representative Ashley Esedilio. So, isang militar magpa-file ng petition against the anti-terror law. I mean, how bizarre is that, diba? At uh, anong question ko rin, yung IRR pa, may magagawa pa ba doon? Wala. I mean, they can, d- depende kung paano i-aatakihin ng, ng mga petitioners. Pero I think the strategy of the petitioners is that pag-usapan muna natin yung batas. Kasi mas ano sila, focus on the real problem. Parang ganun. Okay. Na parang, pag na-struck down namin yung batas, struck down din yung IRR. Parang so dun kami, I, we will, they will keep a focus that on the target, which is the law. Meron bang update from the Supreme Court's yeah. end? Kasi parang ang tagal-tagal na what's taking them so long. I wish I can answer you. And I've been asking that. And you you could say maybe it's the number of petitioners kasi um, they would they, they can say it's due process kasi each petition, pag reply nila yung OSG, tapos may mga nagmo-motion. Kanya, nag-motion si Solicitor General Kalida ng motion to cancel hearing. Merong nag-motion na ma-admit siya as amicus curiae. So, as part of due process, siguro iniisip nila kailangan munang ma-replyan lahat to ng OSG. Mm. At kailangan makapag-reply ulit ang mga petitioner para mabasa namin lahat before we decide 
before we decide on anything. Pero titignan mo rin yung timeline because the, this law has been effective since July. So, July, August, September, October, three months na yung batas and the SC has not even set a schedule for oral arguments yet. If you compare it to the highly contended laws also, like for example, cybercrime law, within a month, one month of its effectivity, my TRO na yung Supreme Court. Yung RH law, three months bago nag-TRO yung Supreme Court. So, there, we are now playing on the same timeline. Pero yun nga, wala pa oral arguments hanggang ngayon. Siguro, maybe it's a factor also of pandemic kasi paano ka nga mag-oral arguments in the pandemic and maybe they have not figured that out yet. But, um, you know, we will keep asking the Supreme Court. And with the release of the IRR, can you expect na full-blown implementation na itong anti-terror law? Yes. And do you have any worries? Um, yes. <laughs> I don't know how to add more um, answer that in a more elaborate manner. But yes, I mean, we have been, you know, raising the alarm since it was still in Congress, nung, nung pinasa, nung nag-take effect, and now, and now with the IRR that it's gonna be in full swing. Yes, uh, I have worries. I have worries for myself, for my colleagues, for the activists, and for everybody. So parang now that magfu-full swing na siya. Do you have any like last thoughts on how the public, the ordinary Filipinos can like protect themselves lalo na ngayon na uh, uh, ayun nga na parang importante talaga na mag-criticize ka ng mga palyadong policies yeah. ng government dahil pandemic. Tapos meron yeah. full implementation na to. Parang how do you think the public should approach this? Ang hirap kasi I mean as you know as a journalist I I hate to be I would like to be the last person to say watch your words because diba we sh- uh, dapat tayo yung ano yung yung advocate of you know the freedom of speech pero siguro ano na lang parang reminder na lang na it it doesn't hurt to think before you speak or to think before you write anything and just make sure that you do not incite to violence yun yung yun yung importante siguro that's really the blanket the blanket reminder na do not encourage violence do not incite to violence and you know i'm just be circum be more circumspect of the words you will say but i mean continue to to speak continue to speak out and um to be also to be vigilant because we you have to put a spotlight on this on the government on this so if you feel like you're being red tagged then go ahead and say that in the open because mm. i mean you know um exposure Naman sometimes is a protection, and to put a spotlight on that, to watch that, and yun nga sabi nga sa akin ni Yusek Suga in our conversation, na, na parang okay yung mga media will just have to rely on you. Nabantayan to to make sure that it is done properly, and that goes the same for the public to continue watching this and to make sure it's done properly. So on that note, let's see what will happen next given situation now. Tignan ko mag schedule ng oral arguments sa Supreme Court at sana in the next few months or ano magiging effect nitong full swing ng uh, anti-terror law. So thank you, Lian, for joining me today. Thank you, Judes. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in. If you would like to be updated on this and other issues, huwag kalimutan na i-follow ang Rapper and Newsbreak sa Facebook, pati na rin sa Twitter. If you want to get access to susukat at events, join Rapper Plus. Plus the community where we discuss and get deeper insights to the issues we face today. You can sign up by visiting rapper.com slash plus. 
Kung meron ka namang gusto na topic na you think we should discuss in our podcast, you can email us at investigative at rapper.com. Again, I am Judas Govillan and this is Newsbreak Beyond the Stories.